0: Hello there, my friends, and welcome to Story You Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me every Thursday, 4 o'clock. I am here, and it is delightful to spend this hour with you. I look forward to your questions today. I would love to help coach you through anything that's going on in your world regarding stories or living your best life or showing up for your best life, anything at all, just send them into the show. We're taking your calls and the number is one 298 5569 one 298 5569 and Eric will be answering the phone and connecting you and I, so we can talk about whatever is on your mind. I always like to set the tone with a theme for each show, and that lets you know what's on my mind, but we can talk about anything you would like. I was thinking that one of the things that really kills off any goal is this general notion of anxiety, especially hidden anxiety. What I mean by hidden anxiety is that stuff that goes on, but we don't even notice it's going on because we're so used to it going on that we don't even know to call it anxiety. There's so many symptoms inside of us that just go on over and over again, we don't even know they're not normal anymore. Like we, I used to get cold hands and cold feet all the time. I didn't know that had anything to do with anxiety or I would have, you know, several nights of no sleep. I didn't know that was just ongoing anxiety. I was not only an insomniac, I was a a stomach ache person. I would have these stomach aches. That's anxiety, often anxiety. My chest would feel tight at times. That's anxiety. So is shaky hands, sweating palms. We call it nerves, right? We downplay it and say, oh, you're just a little nervous. Well, that's a sweet way of saying, you're going through some anxiety we hide anxiety we don't call it anxiety because we just think it's part of life and what i didn't know for i'm going to i'm going to say about 42 years <laughs> what i didn't know was that we don't have to live with anxiety day in and day out i didn't know this because i had really Really trained myself to just accept I had nerves and accept that I had a slightly dramatic life, or you know, whatever else I wanted to feed my mind full of. But what really was going on was that I didn't really know how to name anxiety, I didn't know how to sit down and be with anxiety. And I didn't know as it left me how to continue practices so that I might have longer periods of time without it. Don't just think writers go through anxious times. All people that think a whole bunch go through anxiety. Really, anxiety is about the volume of our thinking. You've probably heard people talk about anxiety as, you know, getting on the hamster wheel and just going, 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 running, running, running like a little hamster, round and round and round you go. Well, if you think about one little thought is on that hamster wheel and the hamster or you is the one that's spinning it at these revolutions every single second, that volume of thinking is what causes us to feel so anxious. But what is often surprising is that we point to what we think is causing anxiety and we find out, nope, nope, we were wrong. It's actually the volume of thought. So I might point and say, oh, it's the fact that I haven't written for five days that's causing me anxiety. Actually, it's the volume of thinking I have about not writing for five days that causes my anxiety. I might think I'm anxious because I'm running late. Actually, It's the amount of thinking I have about running late that's causing my anxiety. Or I might think it's someone in my life that's causing anxiety. Actually, (laughs) it's about the amount of thinking I have around a person in my life. So it's really, 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 really tricky when we've been hiding out behind this anxiety. We've been losing our mojo, losing our energy to get our goals finished. And we find out that all the reasons we came up with that we're feeling anxious isn't what we're feeling anxious about after all. Or you could say, yeah, we're feeling anxious about it, but we're feeling anxious. Because of the amount of thought. Because I'll just I'll just share this with you and then I wanna take a, a little departure for a moment. If I don't write for five days and I wake up on day five and go, oh, look at that. I haven't written for five days. Hmm, interesting. And I go downstairs and I make myself a cup of coffee and I put on some music and I do whatever, I don't feel anxious. But if I wake up in the morning and think, ooh, I haven't written for five days, and then I think, hmm, it has really been five days, hasn't it? Wow, five days. Gosh, gosh. When was the last time I went five days? I think it's been a long time since I've gone five days. I wonder what this means about me. You know, maybe this means I'm not really a writer. Gosh, I bet it means that. You see the volume of thinking that's going on? In example number one, I gave it one little thought, and then I moved on to the next thing. But in example number two, I had about eight thoughts going on in less than one minute. That's what's causing my anxiety. It's not the fact that I haven't written in five days. It's how I'm thinking about it and how often the volume. So we are going to talk about this. A lot of people think that if you can get in a new high vibe mindset You can control your anxiety. I agree with that. But I also just want to warn you, if you go out into your new high vibe mindset and you continue to spin high vibe thoughts, one after another, after another, after another, I just want to warn you that it's the volume that is going to eventually burn you out. Even though you're way up here and excited, you will burn out from that. So what we have to learn is how to give ourselves some peace and grace and ease and slow it down and be with it and allow things to just pass on by Without going for the next thought, and the next one, the next one, the next one, next one, next one, next one. Because that's when we get into all this hidden anxiety. That's when the stomach aches kick in. That's when the no sleep kicks in. The cold feet, the cold hands, the sweaty palms, the heart palpitations. All that stuff that we think is just part of life. It's actually telling you, you're anxious. And it's killing off your chance to have your goals met. How do I know? Because for 42 years, I was practicing this at full tilt, full tilt. And by age 42, hmm, let me think. I think at that point, I had been in therapy for probably... 12 years, mm, good 11 years straight at that point. So I was just starting to realize that all this great therapy, I, I really had a great therapist, loved her to bits. But for me, it took me a good 11 years before I started to break the cycle of accepting that the hamster wheel was the only way to live. And running, running, running was the only way I did things. It just all seemed so normal to me. I couldn't change it. One person along with that therapist that really helped me change is a man named Michael Neal. He is the writer of many books. One book I love is called Super Coach, Another book I love is called The Space Within. But one thing he helped me understand was that my relationship with my anxiety, just like I told you earlier, had to do with my inability to let go of my volume of thoughts around anything that scares me. It was the volume. I'm just going to keep saying this for the next, well, we got another 45 minutes together. Because like I said, it took me about 11 years to start breaking the cycle of habitual anxiety and actually go months at a time of really having nothing come along that could scare me. Yeah, 42 years of life before I ever had months at a time where I could look over my past and go, wow, I just had a beautiful season. Look at that. Look at that. But before that, it was all touch and go every day. I had no idea that my mind that could work so fast and spin thoughts like they were wool. Spin them into sweaters. You know, I, I just didn't understand. This was my doing. And I could undo it if I was willing to do things differently. So I want you to hang out with this thought. You can start a new idea if all your old you can't start, sorry, I'm going to say it again. You can't start a new idea if all your old ideas are taken up space. That's something I said to a very anxious client not too long ago. And she liked it so much that I just typed it while we were on our coaching call. You can't start a new idea if all your old ideas are taken up space. And I'm going to share with you an example I have from swimming in a little while that really shook me to the core when I realized how my old ideas were so taking up space. I'll tell you about that after our break. I want to let you know that I would be more than happy to talk to you about anxiety today. It's a real thing. It's not a shameful thing. Our minds are wired to do it. They are. Our minds are wired to do it. We have had examples our whole life. We have had teachings our whole life. We have had circumstance our whole life that has wound us up and held us almost captive of this volume of thinking no one is to blame for having anxious thoughts or for getting on the hamster wheel of anxiety and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning a thought. But I'll tell you this, it will lead to very ill living. And that ill living can show up in your stomach. It can show up in any of your major organs. It can show up in your muscles It can show up in your spine, and I think one of the worst places for it to show up is in your brain functioning. You might think that someone is just living a a low-level life and has gone crazy, but what a lot, a lot of people who study the brain can tell you is that it all began with way too much thinking and not enough nutrition to support them. That's all it takes to break from a life free of, well, I don't even want to say free, but a life of low, low living anxiety and managed anxiety. So it's really our job to learn about this because writers have anxiety children have anxiety, adults have anxiety, employers have anxiety, radio hosts have anxiety, and it all has to do with the volume of our thinking. But what I've come to understand is if you start to make space for new ideas, you're going to need habits, habits like meditation, like slowing down, like calming yourself so that you have space in your mind for just some ease and peace and new ideas that don't scare the life out of you. Let's talk about this. I'm happy to take your calls at one 298 5569 We can talk about writing. We can talk about anything at all. I'd be happy to help you calm your anxiety. We're going to take our first break here, but when we come back, more ways to restore your life so you get away from hidden anxiety that kills your goals. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Monday morning at 7 o'clock. Whether you're looking to stay in the workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Mondays at 7 o'clock a.m. here on KKNW to get re-energized, recharged, and Reignited. Hi. I'm Nathan Mum, host of Tech Time Radio with Nathan Mum on KKNW. Tech Time Radio's live show is Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. And you can always check us on the web at TechTimeRadio.com. Our segmented stylized radio gives you the breaking news before it hits mainstream media. Join myself and Mike we will we'll make you laugh. That's good. Cooked so, might... on phonics worked for you, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. And learning something new in technology, join us Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. And Thursdays, from 6 to 7 a.m. The technology show for the everyday common person. An alter- alternative to everything else on your radio dial alternative talk 1150 welcome back to story u talk radio if you're just tuning in i'm talking about a universal problem doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter how old you are. You have probably at least one day in your life, if not 5,000, you've probably experienced some anxiety along the way. Anxiety can kill off your goals. It can kill off your dreams. It can make you believe in things you don't want to believe in. But there are ways to turn anxiety around. And there's ways to do it really, really quickly. I want to help you understand how you can be certain that anxiety is present. Here's just a list of things. One might be that you fear other people are judging you or will judge you. That means anxiety is present. Another is that you are avoiding face to face communication. That means anxiety is present. Another might be that you are overly conscious of your, your image or how you act in front of other people. That means anxiety is present. Another might be that you snap, you're moody, you're panicky, you hate surprises. You engage in road rage. All of those mean anxiety is present. You might be undecisive, um, but you might also be certain that if you make a decision, it'll be wrong. It won't be the right one. That's, That's anxiety. You might know that you totally overthink, but it seems impossible to stop. That's anxiety. You might play lots of shoulda, woulda, coulda games. Anxiety. You might overwork. You might stay at the office way too late. You might do this habitually. And you might say it calms your scattered brain. Anxiety. I mean, I hate to break it to you. I I really did not know that all of these symptoms were showing me that I was anxious. And like I said, I was about 42 years old before I started to go weeks and even months at a time where I could relax and not have this feeling of stress and worry and anxiety constantly play with me. So, when, when we start to think I'm not anxious, I just don't like to make eye contact or I'm not anxious. I just don't like driving. It, it brings out this rage in me or I'm not anxious. I, I just don't like other people judging me or I'm not anxious. I just, I just prefer to make, you know, a Good decision, and be done with it. I don't. I don't like to have to wonder if it was a good decision, but it doesn't mean I'm anxious. Mm, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's it's hard to hear that. And I know it's hard to hear that because, like I said, I sat across from a really talented, wonderful therapist for about eleven years before I started to notice that days and weeks and even months could go by without me feeling completely and totally stressed out. But here's something. When I start to think that all the stuff going on in the world is my problem, I'm right back in it. Or if I start to think that all the unsolved issues that I'm a part of in some way are on my shoulders, I'm back in it. And I notice because I go from just sort of in in a, I don't mean hangout mode, I, do, I don't mean I just like hang out all week until four o'clock on Thursdays and then I make a show for you and then I go back to doing nothing for a full week. It's not like that one bit. But I just mean, there's there's this presence in my mind that's just sort of with me. She hangs out. She's, she's just there taking in life moment by moment. She's like, okay, today looks like you're going to be coaching Julie one-on-one. Looks like then you've got about an hour break. Looks like after that, you're going to work with Ellen. Looks like after that, you've got a bus ride up to Woodenville. Okay, there's your day. You know, that mind is the mind I'm used to hearing talking to me. But the old mind would say, okay, okay, okay. All right, we're up at seven o'clock. We should have been up at six, but we're up at seven. Okay, let's look at the calendar. All right, looks like you got an hour with Julie. Okay, hope that's enough time. Then then you got an hour to kind of regroup. After that, you got an hour with Ellen. Ah, oh, geez, boy, hope that's enough time. Hope you booked yourself enough time because you're going to have to get on the bus. You're going to have to go to winn And my mind would just get on this hamster wheel and second guess Everything about my day before I had barely even started my day. So here's what I want to tell you we are the ones doing all the judging. We're doing this. We don't think we are, but what we're doing is we're revving ourselves up, we're cranking ourselves up. Now, I want to use sandra as an example because she she's in a situation that i found myself in over and over and over again and if i can kind of coach her through this maybe this idea is going to start to make a little bit of sense here sandra writes in from tacoma and says thank you for offering this topic on anxiety saw it would be happening on facebook so here goes i am someone who loves to sleep in for years i've made myself bad and wrong for loving it but a couple years ago i realized a lot wasn't getting done because of my sleeping in covid really turned everything on its ear and showed me i needed to start getting up earlier But here's the thing for me. I can set my clock for as early as five. And I think I'm going to do these 400 chores. And I never get enough done. And then I get really mad at myself. My sister is absolutely the opposite. She's an early bird. She always gets stuff done. She looks good on Facebook. And you can imagine we don't get along that great. Maybe it's my fault, but I have another sister who sleeps in just like me. And I feel like it's a whole lot easier to have a conversation with her than it is to have a conversation with my goody two-shoes sister, Okay, Sandra, this is a great letter you have sent in. I know it goes on and privately I will talk a little more with you. But I, I was able to read most of this on the break. And here's what I want to say about this. I really relate to the idea that if I could just like stretch the day, if I could make it longer, I wouldn't feel anxious Right, I think that's what you're telling me when you say you set the clock to do. You had a fierce number there, like 400 chores. You know, 400 is a big number. <laughs> so, i I understand. I understand that desire. But what I think you want to do is take the mind and sit across from. Sandra's mind and make a deal with yourself that the mind that believes you have to conquer anxiety is the mind that's going to keep being anxious. And that what you're willing to do now is to adopt a new way of working with your mind. So for example, Instead of, and and Sandra, please, please know, I am humbled by your letter because it's me. It's me all over again. I have thought so many times, if I just set that clock for an earlier time, if I just put down all the chores I want to get done on the day I get up the earliest, that will conquer my anxiety. But it would just start another anxiety. Here's what I know. I'm never I'm never going to feel less anxious if my anxious mind is the one in charge of making me feel less anxious. Did you follow me there? I'm never going to feel less anxious if it's my anxious mind that has to figure out how to make me feel less anxious. It's like I'm never going to figure out how to be less bullied if it's my bullied mind that has to figure out how I'm going to feel less bullied. Or I'm never going to figure out how to deal with food better if it's my food-addicted mind that has to conquer food addiction. Somehow... There has to be this willingness of doing it all new and with an all new mind. One thing that I've done as a writer, and a lot of this came because I was a teacher, Sandra. I, I got up early. I was on the best early. I was teaching classes early. I had done more many days by 10 o'clock in the morning than what a lot of people get done in half a week's time, day in, day out. But you know what? I wasn't getting my writing done and I was feeling so much anxiety around this, but I was taking that anxious mind and I was trying to give my anxious mind more time, to unravel my anxiety. It's almost like this. It's almost like saying, you know what? I have a problem with alcohol. So I think what I'm going to do is instead of drinking a six pack of beer tonight, I think what I'll do is I'll drink five beers instead of six. And then in the time that I was going to drink that sixth beer, I'm going to work out the problem on my mind and it'll be fixed. Now, there are some people that are going to think that would work. But I know that won't work. And Sandra, I bet you know that won't work. But when we are amped up on our anxious thought, we believe stuff like that will work. What we're doing, what I was doing was I was saying, okay, I'm really anxious because a whole week has gone by and I've written nothing. And that means I'm not a writer. So what I've got to do, what I've got to do is I've got to get up earlier. And I'm, I'm just going to spend an extra, I'm going to spend an extra two hours every single morning, writing. And instead of getting up at 5.15, ooh, that would mean 3.15. And I'd start to bump into why this isn't going to work. So then i negotiate and I'd go, all right, all right, all right. I go alright 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 i can not get up two hours earlier. But since I get up at 5.15, I could get up at 4.30. That's it. I'm going to get up at 4.30 and I'm going to write for 45 minutes. And I would start to hear myself just spinning these ideas. But what I didn't understand and literally what it took years of therapy to start to see and to really practice and fail at and practice again and try again. I had to start to see that it was my Anxious mind that wanted to crack the code and it was never going to crack the code, it had to be a new mind, it had to be a new way of thinking. If the mind that thinks drinking six beers and functioning fine is the mind that decides, Okay, fine, I'll drink fine, I'll drink five, not six. And I'll do so much better. That that mind's not going to win. The mind that says, all right, instead of sitting on the couch and eating an entire box of Girl Scout cookies, I'm going to sit on the couch and eat half a box of Girl Scout cookies. And I'm going to use the rest of the time to work out this problem. No, 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 no. That's not going to work. If we go, okay, okay, okay instead of spinning on the hamster wheel and having having 60 revolutions in a minute, I'm only going to have 42. That's not going to work. We have to be willing to get off the hamster wheel. We have to be willing to walk away from the Girl Scout cookies. We have to be willing to put down the beer. We have to be willing to say... I'm going to do it a whole new way, and I'm going to let a whole new mind lead me. So what I find to be true, and I usually start my, my writers with the idea that it only takes 12 minutes in the morning, just start with 12 minutes of writing and see if it frees you. If it doesn't, we have to do something completely different. But what I find is that when a writer goes from thinking that she's got to write for six or seven or eight or nine or 10 hours a day to be a writer, and I say, actually, no, I would just love for you to be one of the first things you do in the day to just commit to, I want to see what it Feels like to just write for 12 minutes and stop. Often, what happens is the person does write for 12 minutes and they enjoy it. They enjoy it because when they stop, they realize that they have accomplished something. And it's in the accomplishment that they start to feel. Something completely different. If they don't, if they sit down to write for 12 minutes and they're having the same experience they had when they believed they had to write six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, then we know they've brought the same mind with them, and we have to do something totally different. So I'm going to help you with this when we come back from our break. We're talking about the hidden anxieties that kill our goals. It happens to all of us. Stay tuned for more help. We'll be right back. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Seattle, Tacoma, and That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. We're talking about the hamster wheel of anxiety. So I'm going to walk you out of this okay? If you're someone who experiences anxiety from time to time, I really think this is going to help you. This is something I learned from John Kabat-Zinn. And then I I put a big twist on it because you know how it is when you you find someone that leads you to something that really works, and then you adopt it in ways of your own that works for you. So, this isn't exactly what you would find in his book, but it started with his book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. Wherever You Go, There You Are. And it's by John Cabot Zinn, Z I N N. What I loved about him is he helped me understand, along with Michael Neal, who is the founder of the Super Coach Academy that the cause of anxiety has to do with the volume of thinking. In other words, how much we spin our thoughts. We think it's what we're thinking about. And we think what we're thinking about is scary. But it actually has a lot more to do with how much spinning we do around that thought. So I want to I want to share this idea with you that when we spin a thought or two or three for a minute, it it might bother us, but it might not. If we spin a thought a hundred times in a minute, what we're going to feel is very cranked up and revved up about the thought. And if we keep it spinning and spinning We're gonna hit a place of panic and burnout and shutdown. But the opposite is true. The opposite is true. If we can go from many thoughts to just back to a thought or two, we will calm ourselves from anxiety down to a place of much more peace and acceptance. So I want to tell you about this practice. John Kabat-Zinn, in his book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, he talked about this meditation practice where you are the mountain. And what he said was you are to sit cross-legged on the floor and you are to lean up against something very sturdy. So it might be a wall. It might be... I usually leaned up against the wall. It could be a closet door, you know, something, something very sturdy. If you want to put a pillow behind your back, you can, but you want your back supported so you don't have to do that work. And what he would say is start with a thought that is either scaring you now or has the potential to scare you. So one thought that I, I used a lot and it really helped me was I will never in my life have time to write again. (laughs) This is straight out of my journal. I have my journal right in front of me right now. And this, this comes from, I was probably 36 years old. And I think I had just met John Cabot zinn for the first time. So this is coming right out of my journal. This idea, I will never have enough time to write again. It's all gone. This thought of shoulda, woulda, coulda. I coulda had a much better life, but now my life is going to suck so bad because I'm just never going to have enough time to write again. I'm way too busy. What I learned from John Kabat-Zinn was I could just capture myself In the moment where that thought came up, I could go and sit and lean up against whatever that sturdy thing was. And I could let myself have that thought and then watch it, like physically watch the words walk away from me and follow them, follow them with my thinking. So I've got the words in my head, I'm never going to have time to write again. And I just watch those words, those letters kind of move away from me while I'm sitting, supported, and I just see what's the next thought. Never going to have time again because I'm working 60-hour weeks, okay? So now the job is to watch that thought. Just watch it and just see what's the next thought that comes up. There's no way. There's no way to stop working 60 hour weeks. It's never going to happen. And then I would watch it. I would just watch that thought. And then the next one would come. If I could just figure out how to make more money, maybe I could get out of the cycle of 60 hour weeks, but I have no idea. I have no idea. How in this job I'll ever make more money. And I would watch that thought. Are you noticing that I'm not thinking about writing? I've got myself now spun about money, income, the hours I'm investing. I'm not thinking about writing. But what I thought was causing me anxiety was the fact that I wasn't writing. Actually, I'm starting to see now that I'm sitting and I'm just watching the thoughts. I'm starting to see I got all kinds of other anxious thoughts underneath my desire to write. Now, this is why this is so important. If I can continue to watch these thoughts, I'll be taken into a place where I'll see I have more control. For example, I'll start to see I'm worried about my income and the amount of time I give to my job. Well, if I can admit that, I can do something about that. But if it's a hidden anxiety, if I really believe I just don't have time to write and I'm never going to write again, I just don't have time to write. I don't have time to write. I'm never going to write again, never going to write again. And I'm not really looking at all the thoughts I'm spinning. I'm going to think I'm anxious about writing. But what I really need to manage is the amount of thoughts I'm letting take over my mind in a short period of time. And these other areas that actually are asking for my attention. So how does this line up for you? You might think this way. I'm going to use an example that uh, I think a lot of you can, can relate to, and that is the 40-hour-a-week the job or the at-home mom that basically has a job that feels like she can never turn it off so let's just try this are you someone who thinks that whatever dreams you had about writing a book whatever dreams you had about being an author are gone because well now you're in the season where you work 40 plus hours a week, or now you're in the season where you are a mother full time, or now you are in the season where you're a single mom. Might be those other moms that have a partner to help with, but single moms, oh, no way. See, we spin these beliefs and we get a volume, a high volume of spinning going on, and we start to author the idea that what we want most will never happen. That kills our goals. What I'm finding, and again, I've 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 only been meditating for maybe. Um, probably a little less than 20 years, somewhere around there, Um, and not on a regular basis. But what I can tell you is when I'm someone who sits in the mountain meditation, I put my back up against something to support me, and I start to watch where my thoughts go, I slow down all the revving up, and I find myself in a thought where I realize I have the power to change that thought. So I might go from, I'm never going to have time to write again, to, after all, I already get up at 5.15 in the morning and I don't have time to write to, and since I'm never going to write again, I'm never going to make that dream come true of having my memoir published, And if I don't publish my memoir, then all of that writing I did in the past was just a wash. And how can I even justify the fact that I even spent all that time? You see where I'm going? I'm going way into the past because I don't see a way to walk myself into the future. But if I can watch these ideas just watch them, know that it's my mind that's doing it. And I want a new mind to come in and go, hey, hey, guess what? I'm this part of Debbie's mind that's not cluttered with ideas. I'm this part of Debbie's mind that's just been sitting here watching these ideas. And I actually think I'm going to tease one of these thoughts out of here and ask a really important question. And that question comes from Byron Katie. She has a website called The Work. You should check it out. And one of the things Byron Katie does is she asks, is it true? So when I have a thought like I'm never going to write again, I can watch it just sort of float in front of me and go, ooh, that's not a fun thought. I'm going to ask if it's true. Is it true? And then I get my next thought. Well, I'm getting up at 5.15 in the morning and I'm not getting my writing done. And then I can say, hmm, is it true that by getting up at 5.15 in the morning That's the real cause of me not getting my writing done. And then I can go with the next thought that comes and it will still probably be anxious. Well, obviously it's true. I mean, how early does a girl have to get up? And then I can say, so is it true that the only people that write get up at a ridiculously early hour? And pretty soon I'm unweaving this ugly, monstrous, dragon-like tapestry of just thoughts that hurt me and make me anxious. The more we are open to the idea of just saying that anxiety starts with the volume of thinking and anxiety can be cut by unraveling, by Noticing when we rev up our thinking and asking, how true is that anyway? We start to interfere in the path of anxiety. And that's what you want to do. You want to cause interference. You cause interference by asking, is this true? And you start to engage, not the mind that thinks Well, if I only drink five beers instead of six, I'll have a clearer mind to work this out. Or if I only have a half a box of Girl Scout cookies instead of a whole box of Girl Scout cookies, I'll be less full and be able to work this out. You start to disengage that mind and you notice you have a whole different set of skills that belongs to a different area of your mind. It's a different part of your mind that says, is that really true? Is it really true that I have no time to write? Is it really true that I'll never be an author? Is it really true that I don't have any good ideas left? Is it really true that I've taught everything I know how to teach and I'm washed up? Is it really true that I can't get the next promotion? Is it really true? that I'm not a good parent? Is it really true that I'll probably die in the next year? And all these crazy thoughts we can cook up because we've spun so many that lead to these. That's what we're up to. You want to cause interference. If any of this resonates with you, and you would like to be immersed in classes that help you unwind and help you show up the way you want to. I offer courses for those who are serious about writing, who want to learn discipline, and who are willing to give it their commitment. I am at coachdebby.com and it's spelled D-E-B-B-Y, CoachDebbie.com. Go there click on my offerings. And if you choose, send me a little note. Tell me what's going on with you. I'd love to have a conversation and support you. I hope this has been high quality information for what you need. Until next Thursday, my friends. Namaste.